Hi there. Welcome to Stories That Made Us. In today's episode, we dive into the creation myths of the Celts. Now the history of the ancient Celts comes to us primarily from texts by classical authors. These include, among others, the likes of Herodotus and Hecateus of Greece. Julius Caesar, who called the continental Celtic tribes Galli, the people of Gaul, also chronicled much of their history and many of their tales. Some scholars suggest that the origins of the Celts can be found in the so-called Hallstatt culture of Central Europe. Academics date it to the 9th century BC. Others trace Celtic origins to an aristocratic warrior culture that was prevalent in Europe in 5th century BC. This was known as the Latene culture. Either way, by the 5th century BC, Celts were a major power in most of Europe and as far east as Galatia in modern-day Turkey. The Celts were co-inhabitants of Europe, along with the Romans and the Greeks, and were involved in numerous battles against the two. Records suggest that in 390 BC, the Celts overran and sacked Rome. They also fought the Grecian armies in 279 BC. They migrated to the British Isles in the beginning of the 5th century BC and a culture unique to the islands developed over the next few centuries. Cultures that can more conveniently be categorized as Irish or Welsh, for example, rather than Celtic. In this episode, we discuss three of the more prominent creation myths that are ascribed to these people. Unsurprisingly, there are multiple creation myths in the Celtic cosmology. Celts, after all, did occupy most of Western Europe. Many Celtic tribes of particular regions would have their own tales. Furthermore, these tales were mostly documented by the Romans and the priests and monks of the Christian Church. Unsurprisingly, attempts were made by these scribes to incorporate the Celtic myth as a part of Roman or Christian cosmology. In any case, let's begin with the first, the myth of the Oran Moor. In the beginning, there was no time, there were no gods and no creation. There was no land or sea, no sky or light. There was just an emptiness, a dark and bare void. Everything was in a state of eternal quietude and stillness. From this void, there emerged a vibration, one that was no louder than a whisper. It moved undeterred, permeating the vast universe. Slowly but surely, the whisper turned to a tune, and then to a bombastic and divine melody, gathering momentum as it reached further into the depths of cosmos. 
from this glorious sound came forth time, dust, and the elements that created the universe. This music is the Oran Mor, the great melody. It is the music that creates and destroys. The divine music built upon itself. It created suns and moons, planets and comets, galaxies and nebulae. All the while, building into a great crescendo. From this music came forth creation. From it came worlds and stars, seas and mountains. It shaped and molded the world that we see today. Oranmar continuously creates and destroys, one act of creation begetting another, one life giving birth to another. From it originates the laws of the universe, and in it is preserved the wondrous cosmic beauty. It is the creator and destroyer of all life. All existence comes out of this great melody, and all life dissolves into it. It is the cacophony of chaos and the serenity of peace. This all-pervasive melody continues to date, overseeing an endless cycle of creation and destruction. Our world is too noisy for us to hear this divine melody. It is only when we are at peace, when the mind and the heart are focused inwards towards all that is good and beautiful. It is then that we hear the soft hum of creation, the sound of the universe. Our bodies, as all matter are, are created and destroyed over and over in this eternal cosmic tale of existence. The soul continues in the unceasing melody of Oran Mor. This ends the first myth of our origin. The next one is pieced together from the continental Celtic stories that were transcribed by the Romans. This tale also begins when there was nothing, no earth, no sky, and no life. There was only a great void. Then out of this void emerged a god and a goddess. The god was Don, and the goddess was Danu. The two spied one another, and a sacred flame of passion was lit in their hearts. They immediately fell in love and promised to never leave the other's side. They locked into a loving embrace, vowing to never part. No amount of force could separate the god and the goddess from their tight embrace. Out of this divine love, many children were born. They, however, were trapped in the middle of Don and Danu. Try as they may, the children could not find space to escape. Their condition worsened as they grew older. 
for the space was too cramped, and it was impossible to continue to live in the middle of their parents' entanglement. The children were frustrated and upset, all their pleas beseeching Don and Danu to separate fell to deaf ears. Finally, one of the sons, Brian, had had enough. He decided that his parents need to be detached if they are to live. He took the matter in his own hands. After all, if he could not separate his parents, he and his siblings would inevitably suffocate and die. He continuously pled his parents to detach. After much pleading and remonstration, he convinced his mother to part. Please stop for a little while, he pleaded. Please, just let us out. We are your children. Don't let us die in here, beseeched Brian in alarm. Now, while Danu acquiesced to her son's persistent requests, Don was adamant and unmoved. No amount of persuasion would make Don quit the embrace. An exasperated Brian thus had no choice but to forcibly remove his father. He made plans to slay the deity. He could not proceed, however, without convincing his mother. You are our mother, he said. You are our protector. You cannot let us perish so cruelly. You are the giver of life. Let us live, we beseech you, he pleaded. Father does not agree with you and I. He would have us killed, murdered. We need to act against him now. We need to decimate him before he decimates your children said Brian. Danu was initially opposed to this plan, but a mother's love for her children has no bounds. She chose to side with them against her husband. Danu and her children thus discussed the means and the act of Dawn's murder. It was decided that Brian would be the one to slay his father. When the time was nigh, Danu slipped a sword in Brian's hand. Brian then challenged his unsuspecting father to a duel. Unwilling to leave his wife's side, Don was fated to lose. And so it was that the very first patricide was committed. So great was Brian's anger and frustration that not only did he slay Don, but also severed the erstwhile deity into nine pieces. These pieces he dispersed across the universe. Danu was horrified by her son's actions. Even though she plotted the death of her love, the cruelty of Brian's slaughter wrenched her heart. She wailed and howled, shouting her husband's name in despair. So great was her grief that her tears turned to a great flood. Water gushed down from heavens, covering the earth until nothing remained. 
This is how Danun came to be known as Waters of Heaven. The grieving wife, to commemorate her husband, chose to create life from Don's remains. From his skull, she fashioned the sky, and his brains became the clouds. His face was turned to the sun, and his mind the moon. From his bones came mountains and stones, and the air from his lungs was turned to winds. Now while Danu was doing all this, Dawn's blood mixed with her tears, and they turned into seas and oceans of our world. It is Dawn's blood that makes life possible underwater. Once this was done, two red acorns fell on the newly created earth. Danu immediately recognized one acorn as her beloved husband. She reminisced his warm embrace and wept again. Her tears soaked into the dry earth and made the seed grow. The two red acorns grew into marvelous oak trees. One of these trees was Don reincarnated. The other was his brother Finn. Don, in this new physical shape of a tree, saw his beloved wife up in the sky. He saw her weeping and stretched out his hands to the heaven, wishing to wipe her tears. This is why the branches of trees grow upwards and face heaven. Now, nurtured by Danu's tears, the mighty oak tree that was Dawn grew many berries. From these berries came forth the first humans. These people, however, were lazy. They lacked the motivation to do any work. Having birthed from the seeds of gods, these people were immortal, and with immortality came an utter disregard of the value of life. They would laze about and complain all day, unwilling to exert any effort. Finn realized this problem and approached his brother. What we need is for people to die, he said. Life should be created and destroyed. The old must die and new must birth. This surely has to be the way of life, Finn remarked. Don, though, was not persuaded. He did not like the constant flux in nature that would be brought about by life and death. The two brothers had many arguments about this but they reached no conclusion. Eventually, the arguments got out of hand, and Don, in a fit of blind rage, murdered his own brother. When the deity calmed down, he was besieged with immense grief and regret. So overcome with pain was he that his heart burst apart. Parts of his body fell everywhere, trampling men all over the world. This is how the first men died. And this is how Finn's wishes were fulfilled. 
As dawn the oak tree died, his roots went deep into the air, carving open vast swathes of land under our world. This became the underworld. The underworld is where all people go after their death. Thus, life continues beyond death in the underworld. Don, upon his death, became the lord of the underworld. Danu remains as the goddess of heaven. Till today, their love continues unbridled, even though the primordial deities are separated by earth. The final story is the tale of a wondrous mare, Ayoka, and her descendants and their roles in imparting life to our world. Long, long ago, there was no time. There was no one who walked on earth. There was just the land and the sea. There was no creation, and there were no gods. After a very long time, in the place where the sea meets the land, a beautiful mare was born. She was as white as snow, for she was made of sea foam. Her name was Ayoka. Near to where the majestic mare was born, there grew a solitary tree, a mighty and sturdy oak. On this tree grew berries, white round berries that were nourished by the sea. The mare ate these for her sustenance. But unbeknownst to her, the white berries transformed within her. They transformed to form the young god Sernunos. Soon, Ayoka was pregnant. When the time came for childbirth, the poor mare had to endure a painful delivery. Suffering from excruciating pain, Ayoka grabbed a bit of the bark of the oak ripping it off the tree and throwing it in the sea. This piece of bark sank into the water, and from it came the giants of the deep seas. Eventually, Ayoka birthed the infant god Sernunos, and creation on land comprised of the oak tree Ayoka and Sernunos. The giants ruled the depths of the sea, Sernunos would look longingly at the giants, for they were many. The god hoped to one day have company. When he told this to Ayoka, they realized that there was but one way to make this happen. When the young deity grew older, he married his mother. From their union came the gods Maponos, Tauranus, Teutates and the goddess Epona. After having birthed these deities, Ayoka felt that her work on earth was done. She had birthed a pantheon of deities who would now take creation forward. The mother goddess was tired of land, for she was a creature of water, being born of froth and foam. She retired to the sea. In the vast waters, 
she was transformed to Tethra or Tethys, the goddess of deep water. Upon land, meanwhile, the new pantheon of gods were still lonely, for while they had a beautiful world and each other's company, there was nobody for them to command. None would pray to them or ask for their blessing. What is the point of being gods? They wondered. If one does not have people to remember us and pray to us, so they cut some wood from the oak tree and with it fashioned the first woman and man. Cernunnos then created animals in much the same way. He made the deer and the boar, the raven and the kite, the snake and the lizard. All animals and men worshipped him as the god of all beasts. Once he was done with his work, Cernunnos commanded the oak tree to spread its acorns and seeds. In doing so, he created vast forests. These forests became home for his creation. The goddess Epona also made animals, but she only made the horse. She did so in remembrance of her mother Aeoka who had retired to the sea. Her brother Teutates fashioned bows and arrows, clubs and spears from branches of trees. He became the protector of all creation. Tauranus also took branches from a tree, and with it he created thunderbolts. As the god made thunder, he inadvertently also created fire and noise. Tauranus would climb to the top of the tallest trees and mountains, and from there he would hurl his thunder at the ground. His antics made the ground shake and smolder. Animals would run in fear whenever Tauranus was off to his mischief. Maponos also took a branch from the earth, and with it he made a harp. He plucked the strings from the wind and stretched them over his instrument. He lived in Cernunnos's forests. The winds and the birds would join him as he sang, chirping and dancing to his tunes. All of Cernunnos's animals would come from near and far to hear Maponos play. Even today, if you are to play the harp to an animal, it would come near you, enticed by the music. Meanwhile, the giants of the deep spied enviously the wondrous creations of God. They saw how happy the gods were in fashioning a world to their liking. They were jealous, for they too wished to create and command. They watched with envy as gods, humans, and animals lived and prospered on land. Jealous of this love and harmony, the giants plotted to usurp God's creation and make it their own. They sought to overwhelm the gods by creating vast tsunamis. 
ones that would sweep away lands under the seas, taking gods and their creations under water. Tethra, the sea goddess, had heard rumors of this plot. She couldn't just stand by and watch her family be decimated by giants. Perturbed, the goddess went ashore hastily and warned her husband and children of the giant's plot. She helped the gods to prepare for the impending attack. Ayoka, like any loving mother, did her best to ensure the safety of her family. Then one day, the giants marched out of the deep sea and on to the land. They came with clubs and maces. They came to attack the gods and all their creations. The children of Ayoka had been preparing for this very day. They had a plan to vanquish their attackers. All gods took refuge in the giant oak tree, for it had strong roots that delved deep into the land. The tree was impossible to uproot. Tyrannus then hurled thunderbolts upon the land, splitting it, creating cliffs and ravines. These prevented the seawater from gushing inland into the forests. His brother Meponos split the sky and hurled it at the giants. Teutates too, with his bow and arrow, shot at the foe with deadly aim, killing and maiming the giant creatures. Now it was not that the giants of the deep had no weapons. They had the strength of the waves. These waves they hurled ashore as terrible tsunamis, decimating all in its path. Forests were uprooted, and there was devastation all around. For this was no ordinary battle. This was a war of gods and giants, of powerful beings who fought for the supremacy of our world. After a long-drawn and frightfully calamitous battle, the gods prevailed. They overwhelmed the giants, but unfortunately, the monsters were not destroyed. The giants retreated into the sea, where Tethra bound them in the deepest trenches. They were never to come ashore again. A few giants, however, escaped the goddess. They sought refuge in the far reaches of our world. Places that were beyond the reach of the primordial goddess. These escapees called themselves the Fromwar, and they built a fresh life on the outer edges of the world. While the Fromwar lived as refugees, they could not help but think of revenge and a grand conquest. They vowed to once again fight for lands of the gods. This, to them, is an act to redeem their honor and avenge the death and imprisonment of their fellow giants. The gods, meanwhile, sought to repair the damage caused by this long-drawn war of attrition. 
The sea pulled back to its bed, and Maponos took upon himself to repair the sky. Unfortunately, the poor goddess Epona was lost in the battle. Unable to find her, the gods formed a search party for their missing sister. After a grueling search, they found Epona hiding in the vast forest of Cernunos. The surprised gods asked her why she sought refuge there. The goddess then recounted her tale of the battle. While you fought the giants, she said, I was concerned about our creation. I worried that all beauty on earth would be stained forever. So I left the battlefield to protect our work. Unfortunately, most animals died, as did countless humans. I only found two, a woman and a man, who floated precariously in the dangerous ocean. I rescued them and brought them ashore. I've been taking care of them since then, nurturing them to health and strength. Having a gentle heart of gold, the goddess Epona jumped into the sea at great peril to herself. She saved the only woman and man who survived the war. She hid them deep in the forest and waited for the war to end. This woman and man would become our first ancestors. The gods rejoiced at their sister's gentle heart. They thanked her for saving creation. Then all left the forest to return to their home, home under the giant oak tree that fed Ayoka. Like their mother, the gods and goddesses too ate the white berries of the tree. It was now time to rebuild. Maponos cleared the fragments of clouds that he threw at the giants. He threw these fragments in the sea. When the fiery fragments of heavens touched the waters of the sea, there arose new gods. The god Belinus and his sister Danu sprang from where the heavenly fire of the sky had been but little quenched by the water. The god Lear sprang from where the waters of the sea had almost quenched the fire of heaven. From Lear would come the mighty Mananan, the beautiful Branwen, and the wise Bran. Danu too would birth many children, prominent of whom was Dagda. The children of Danu and Lear are the two mighty races of our people both strong and honorable, both similar in many ways, but opposite in others. These then are the stories that we have time for in today's episode on Celtic creation myths. Like and subscribe to hear more tales of various cultures. Leave a rating and feedback. Your ratings and words help others discover the podcast. Engage with us on Twitter by following our handle at stories, T-H-T-M-D-E, 
us that is stories tht mde us to keep up with the latest episodes i hope you liked the tales join us again next monday for more scintillating stories of our world goodbye